Spring is upon us in East Anglia, and the snowdrops that scatter the lanes of villagers will soon give in to the daffodils that herald the season's changes in bright colours. However, if we dig a little deeper into that rich, moist earth that is throwing off the winter's thaw, we may find secrets hidden, often in plain sight. And today we're going to be talking about internment, the burial of the dead in the earth, and one Norwich Mason who would not be constrained by convention. My name is Richard Shepherd, and this is Hallowed Histories. There's so much tradition and superstition regarding the removing of the dead from living spaces that it can probably lay claim to being one of the earliest universal folklores. Guides to laying out the dead and preparation of the body are established and codified in the Old Testament, and decades of schoolchildren have been equally repulsed and fascinated by the grisly details that go into making the Egyptian mummy. Often these rituals are practical. They were designed to expedite the removal of the body away from the living for reasons of hygiene. In warmer countries like Egypt, a body could rapidly decay and incubate disease in a matter of days. A less practical reason, but still understandable, were the religious edicts that a body should be buried in its homeland, preferably amongst its ancestors. These were tied into ideas of an afterlife, and a person who was killed away from home, in battle for example, might be considered lost in the hereafter if they didn't have their family. The ritual and the absence of ritual that we're going to look at today is one of the most basic and applied to the Egyptian pharaohs, the humblest peasant, and even the Vikings in their blazing funereal longships. That is, the idea of a corpse being buried, lying down. Again, this is partly practical and partly symbolic. The practical element is obvious. It's much easier to dig a deep, wide hole than a deep, narrow one. Less earth needs to be removed, but the larger hole will make that easier. And as we saw in a previous episode, it also allows for more grisly advantage. You see, during the Black Death, graves often piled on top of each other like layers. Local history suggests this is why the churchyard near the Augustine Stewart House in Norwich runs so high, almost up to the shoulders of the passers-by. You see, the area was hit badly by the plague, and burials were quick, hasty, and often stacked corpses on top of each other to save time. And however hasty, each body was interred horizontally, leading to two traditions. Firstly, graves being at least six foot deep, and secondly, the use of the term laying out to describe the process of preparing the body for burial. So centuries of tradition, combined with death being a great leveller, seems like powerful motivators. However, in 17th century Norwich, a mason called Thomas Gooding had other ideas. A lot of the exact details of Gooding's life were unknown, so it's perhaps appropriate that his death is how he's best defined. We do know that he was a stonemason, and as such would have been a big part of the life of Norwich at the time. As we have seen, the city was on the move during the 16th century and 17th century, almost as important to London when it came to trade, and needed the buildings and monuments to prove it. Gooding himself was responsible for working on the Anglican Cathedral where he would be buried, as well as the nearby monument to the Dean, George Gardiner. His actual date of death is uncertain, and may have been removed by time or the hands of men from his tomb. We do know that he must have died sometime after 1625, when he made his will which stipulated a very unusual request. Firstly, Thomas Gooding wished to be buried near his first wife Elizabeth, 
Now that's not such an unusual request, but it was his second stipulation that must have raised a few eyebrows. You see, Thomas Gooding was persistent on the fact that he should be buried standing up. Not only that, but his grave marker must also be upright and carry a grim memento mori, a picture of a skeleton with an unusual quotation, which we will come to shortly. Stranger still was Gooding's rationale for this. His will stated that the reason he wanted to be buried vertically, rather than horizontally, was that he wished to be able to have a head start when the Day of Judgment came. By his standing, he would not only be able to run quicker to heaven, but if he was pulled upward toward heaven, he would arrive head first. What do we make of this? Was it some kind of strange private joke that only Gooding knew? Or did Thomas Gooding have particular sins that he would need to get into the express lane to be forgiven of? Or was he just competitive, always the first over the line? To be a mason in a busy city like Norwich, you would certainly have to compete with many others for contracts. Or maybe he was just a resolutely literal man who thought that being raised up for resurrection needed a little fast-tracking. It would be interesting to know what the Puritans who stormed the cathedral in 1643 made of it. They had just won the English Civil War under Oliver Cromwell and wanted a remit to remove any of the supposed outlandish excesses of Catholic worship. Maybe they appreciated Gooding's memorial in its stark, simple reminder of death. Or maybe they missed it altogether. You see, although Thomas Gooding must have been a man of power and influence, his grave is sort of tucked away, almost like a secret in the cathedral or an Easter egg waiting for the curious and the unwary. I recommend you make the visit of Thomas's grave if you're ever passing by. And don't be afraid of the skeleton. It is rather grotesque, but the words underneath can provide both comfort and maybe discomfort. You see, the quotation he wanted added to his tomb was this. All you that do this place pass by, remember death, for you must die. As you are now even, so was I. And as I am, so you shall be. Thomas Gooding, here do stay, waiting for God's judgment day. Thank you for listening to the Hallowed History Podcast with me, your host, Richard Shepherd, with research done by Linda Shepherd and technical support by Stephen Parks. Don't forget to rate, review, like, and subscribe to this podcast. Tell a friend about it and share it wherever you can. I will look forward to seeing you next month. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.